Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk As You podcast. I'm your host, Sam Foote, and I'm here with my good friend, Alan Armstrong. How are you, Al? Hey, I'm not too bad. Um, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. What have you been up to over the past? Um, are we actually on time this week? Well, this this episode? Has it actually been two weeks since the last one? Yeah, I think it has, actually. I think we're uh, on schedule this week. Well, I just want to... I'm just going to... I don't know if you can hear that on the microphone. That's me me clapping for us to make sure that we're on schedule and we haven't um, gone, oh, we'll do that next week. So, um, no, but what have you been up to over the past couple of weeks? Uh, Just working and chilling at the weekends, really. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Uh, Exactly the same, really. You know, it's... uh... That's COVID life for you, isn't it? You know, not not much else has really happened. Uh, let me think. There must have been something exciting that happened to me. No, I don't think there is. I think it's just been work. So, uh, so yeah. So, um, so today, everyone, we're going to talk about um, on-premise versus the cloud, um, and we're gonna we're gonna take you through a little. Well, it's not going to really be a history lesson, is it? I suppose uh, we're not historians. Um, but we're gonna sort of we're gonna talk about why companies have moved from on-premise infrastructure into the cloud. Um, you know, are there cost advantages? Do we get more reliability? What are the pros and cons of both sides of it? Um, because it's not just a straight the cloud is better than on-premise, right? You know, it's um, it's it's a it's a it's a balancing act between you know benefits and drawbacks um, on both sides. Um, so. Yeah, so that's what we're going to do. And we're going to talk about, you know, um, why we as IT professionals should care about the differences between on-premise and the cloud, because that is ultimately, you know, um, this podcast is all, you know, about Azure. Um, so we are very cloud focused, but it's I think it's always good to see what the other options are out there not just from cloud providers. I think we should do an episode on other cloud providers as well, but we should also talk about the different structures of IT infrastructure, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, let's go back in time then. So, um, Alan, can you just give me an overview of what on what what, 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 what do we mean when we say on-premise? So what we mean by on-premise is, in essence, where um, kind of the hardware and the, the server compute um, was located so we're talking about data centers you know um, in in the building you know uh, loads of server racks uh, loads of networking um, and you know even you know in smaller businesses you know servers under desks and servers in the same office and things like that okay so so what we're talking about is is if we've got a server which is just you know, uh, if we take it down to its basic concept, just a computer, right? You know, it's a specialized computer that just does, you know, one or a few tasks, right? And before we had them inside of our offices, right? You know, we we had um, IT professionals that looked after that inside of our business um, and they were physically located inside of our offices. But when we also did all of the maintenance and we did, and we managed those servers, didn't we? Um, and it's not just servers, I suppose. It's also networking as well, right? Like you say, the local network, uh, the point-to-point connections between offices and, and and the various other components of IT infrastructure. Yeah, and things like firewalls and security yeah. products in there as well, yeah. Yeah, and I suppose we've also just got to mention as well is traditionally software was procured and run internally inside of an organization 
right before this, you know, large um, uh, movement towards, you know, subscription-based, you know, software services like SaaS um, software. That's what I'm, I'm talking about. You know, we, 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 sorry, go on now. I was going to say, which stands for software as a service. Software as a service. Anyone that doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah. So when somebody says that's a SaaS piece of software, it's software as a service. So instead of, you know, buying um, and installing or buying a license to installing that, that software, you know, locally on your IT infrastructure, you just pay a certain license fee, maybe per user or by consumption to access that remotely and you don't worry about any of those infrastructure costs um or those it costs right so so i suppose um can you just take us through out like what are some of the the biggest drawbacks with having if we, if we talk about the cloud um and i think a lot of people listening to this will understand what the cloud is and in 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 essence it's just a bunch of servers in microsoft's data centers instead of them being inside of your office so what are the drawbacks of having on-premise servers versus allowing Azure to handle that for you? So it's kind of the where the responsibility sits. So, um, I mean, if you talk about today's world, um, on-premise and cloud, and you talk about compute, you know, virtualization, um, you know, in an on-premise environment, you've got to look after the servers, make sure they're up, make sure the power, you know, all the supply to them, you know, aircon and, Everything else is keeping them cool. Um, let alone you know patching of the you know the the um, hypervisor, you know the bit that's looking after the uh, virtual machines. You know within the the cloud, um, that bit is managed by the um, the host of that cloud server. So you know Microsoft being Azure, so the the fabric that looks after it. Um, a, you know within AWS and G Suite and other sort of data center or, or private cloud providers you don't look after that bit yeah yeah so so we've got i suppose we've got two parts really we've got the physical infrastructure so we're talking about you know um power cooling fire suppression the floor space to actually store those um those servers the procurement of the servers themselves right because they're capital expenditure you know servers are very expensive uh so we've got all of that and then the networking like you say like switches routing but then we've also got configuration and hardening we need to make sure that our servers are secure they're patched um the applications that run on them or the virtual machines or the applications are also patched and they are available 24 7 right so we've so We've got all of those risks to, con well, not risks. Yeah, I suppose it is risks, risks to and, the IT, you know. And um, you've also got um, physical access or security as well to that yeah. data center. Or yeah, that's true. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, so making sure that only only the, the correct uh, people are allowed inside of that that room and have physical access to those, to those machines. Okay, so that, there's a number of, sort of um, risks and problems that we could have but what are some of the positives I, I mean there must be a reason that we still do have at least some or some some I, i'm assuming there are lots of companies you know uh, companies out there that haven't switched the cloud you know what are some of the positives that you can think of to, to keep um you know infrastructure on premise i mean i don't know if it's really a positive but it's more of a reason for having 
on-premise still for some companies and that's probably due to you know compliance and legislation of the data um, there are some things that may not be allowed to go into the cloud or you know access to um, third-party networks which requires that you know that data that you're using from them to be stored within you know physical buildings and things like that that you own rather than being a cloud you know a, a public cloud provider yeah so so wherever you need more control i suppose um when you like you say where you've potentially got a regulatory or a compliance issue there um where you need that control that can be a you know having that data on premise can alleviate a lot of those problems about you know uh, the governance of the data um that's stored on those systems yeah i mean you know the 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 public clouds out there the you know the, the main three you know they have so you know quite a few regulatory um certifications you know ic twenty seven thousand one and etc so you know they are compliant it's just some there may be some requirement in a contract to say that you know a, a partner's data is stored not in a cloud service or something yeah. like that yeah and i can also i can also imagine if you're working with a software vendor um that hasn't migrated hasn't got a cloud solution you may still need to run some appliances locally right you know if you've got a a bespeak a bespoke piece of say erp or manufacturing like a manufacturing system that runs you know on premise you know it you know that runs your machinery in your factory potentially you know there's a lot of really bespoke um and quite sometimes quite archaic um you know uh, it out there that runs some of that machinery if that hasn't been up you know you might buy you might capex a you know a machine that might cost you like two three million pounds and it's you know it's 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 it might have a 10 to 15 year life cycle on it before you're looking at replacing it right and if you think about a machine that was put in 15 years ago and it's controlled by some sort of on-premise it appliance what that still looks like now you know that might be completely you know um what do they call it like um when it's off the network it could be completely isolated from the outside world um and it might still be running a really old version of the operating system for compatibility yeah i mean that that is a good point that you know some there may be some old applications um that cost you know uh, companies are still using that they still have to use there's nothing else out there they can replace yet yeah um that is too old to move to the cloud or it needs to be stored on premise because of the security because it's you know unpatched now yeah um, exactly it's yeah. outdated you know yeah you know, not everyone can patch everything because of you know they the app might break and things like that um, yeah. and that's and one of those current that's one of those really um you know you can read as many white papers about how you should structure things right but there are just some gotchas out there in the world of it that you cannot overcome right like you can't you know it, it's it's okay it's like okay we'll move you know our uh we'll move ad you know to azure ad right you know and we can do our mdm in the cloud and and all of that sort of stuff but when it comes to saying Oh yeah, this machine runs off of a, you know, a a, a server that's using server two thousand and three. Let's say, yeah, um, and the manufacturer is not supporting anything but server two thousand and three, even though that's completely wrong in terms of, 
you know, security and patching and governance. Um, but what are you going to do? Go out and buy a new, you know, some of these machines cost millions, hundreds of thousands or millions of pounds. Um, trying to get that through just because of IT is un- it, it, it could, it's potential that it, it, it's not going to happen, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I've been, I've sort of seen those um, situations as well. Yeah. Um, where hardware has been, or the software on the hardware is really outdated, you know, Windows 98 kind of thing and trying to access network resources when it can't anymore because of SMB one being disabled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard you definitely talk about that before. So yeah. So uh, yeah. In that, in that scenario, there's no way that that sort of equipment is going to get into the cloud. Right. Yeah. And actually thinking about, you know, you talk about manufacturing, you know, would, would you want the, the mechanisms that controls that automation, if it is automation, um, running you know rely adding more reliance to something like the internet to be able to for that to that process to run yeah yeah you know does it need to be in the cloud there's that kind of question as well yeah um, yeah and like you know and when we're talking about like farming and agriculture you know and maybe manufacturing out you know outside of larger towns and cities you know maybe they don't have the internet connections to have an always-on connection to the to the cloud you know so there's all of that to take into account yeah so yeah so we've talked about on-premise um you know it is i think it's you know obviously opinion time here but i think it's it's kind of had its day right you know it's it's how we did things and and we're now moving to this more cloud um and hosted infrastructure so um i'll take us through like what the cloud actually is just give you a really high level i've never heard of the cloud before explanation it's an it's an infrastructure or service that allows you to deploy um, various types of um, infrastructure or uh, compute uh, without having to worry about the the like we kind of said earlier the base of the um, looking after the servers and things like that and there's various levels of what you can do so there's infrastructure as a service so that is virtual machines and you know physical virtual networking and things like that and then you've got platform as a service which is PaaS, um, and that's going to the next level so not worrying about the servers but just worrying about the you know the application itself yeah so so essentially what they've what they've done is they virtualized the physical machines that used to be under our desks and in our data centers and they give you access to those on a per hour per minute or a yearly cost if you want to pay up front fee right there's no capital expenditure it well you can pay up front you could say i want this instance i know i'm going to want this instance for three years and they'll give you a hefty discount for saying that uh but essentially you know in two minutes i could open my azure portal and i could say i would like a server running windows server whatever version um and i want it to have this specification so i don't have to go and procure a server i just tell azure what i want and azure will automatically go and get me that instance and provision it for me Uh, but that's infrastructure right so that's still i manage that instance but i don't have to worry about any of of the physical characteristics of that machine 
I still need to make sure it's backed up, it's compliant, it's patched. Uh, but then you can take that step further. Like you just said, there's all these managed services on top of Azure. Um, you know, if I want to do, you know, if I want an MDM, I can buy an MDM, you know, as a software, as a service, you know, really, you know, or if I want to give my code, I've got an application that I want to run. I could give my code to Microsoft and they'll host that for me. And that's platform as a service. Yeah. So the example is, is I guess the example is that you could have as I as infrastructure service, you could build a virtual machine and install SQL server. Um, or you could buy it as a platform as a service. So you just get the SQL server. So you don't have to worry about patching the server. It automatically gets patched okay, for you. So, you. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're, essentially what we're doing is we are, the, the main like benefits of the cloud is that we can um, pass some of that operational and capitalized costs onto and risks onto those cloud providers right because it's it's microsoft's responsibility to make sure in the case of azure anyway to make sure that 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 instance is available to me whenever i want to access it you know if i've said that i want a 24 7 on server they're going to make sure they're going to be the ones that are there actually fixing those machines if they were to potentially go down um on a friday night when we're all trying to chill out for the weekend yeah, absolutely, and and I think that they've got SLAs of, of something like ninety nine point five percent for all their infrastructure. Um, and again, with with sort of the cloud side of things, you can choose your region, so you can actually host uh, services in other continents, countries where yeah. there is a where you know, there is there is a data center. Yeah, you know, so it's fairly easy to to sort of moving up, you know, have an application in multiple locations yeah. and things like that. So what would you say are some of the drawbacks of the cloud, you know, versus on-premise? Are there any, do you think? I I think it's more around, some of it's around, um, I mean, we're going to talk about it in a minute, but um, around the costings that um, cloud compute and things like that, um, seems more expensive or can look to be more expensive, but I think it's, we'll talk about it in a bit, but um, yeah, there's that. And I guess it's just, well, I, to be honest, I'm not too sure what other sort of drawbacks there are to it. Yeah. I mean, I suppose for me, I suppose it's obviously the inverse of what we're talking about with on-premise, right? You know, you do lose a level of control. If your instance, if your virtual machine goes down in, at midnight, you know, um, how do you get support? You know, how much do you have to pay for support? Um, you know, and it, you are you are reliant on a third party to make sure your infrastructure is up. You know, so a company might just say, well, we don't want to, you know, um, so what, what, what happens if Microsoft don't fulfill its SLAs? You know, I, I mean, that's not, you know, we don't think that that's, I, I don't sit there thinking that Microsoft's out to deceive us, obviously, you know, I don't think, but I could imagine that some people are quite, you know, um, could be quite worried about making sure that, you know, you know, cause you're, let's say you have quite a small company, 
yeah and you've got one server in azure you know you're not going to pay for you know premium support you know or you might not be able to afford to pay for premium support where you get you know a 24 7 helpline to a dedicated account you know management team right um so you might be waiting you know if you put a ticket in you might be waiting you know out of hours especially you know a few hours to, to get a call back you know and that could be you know some businesses you know they're not nine to five monday to friday you know I, i've got some businesses that i work with and their their busiest day of the week is sunday because they're scheduling all of their people for the next week so yeah. that to get to get the level of out of hour support that they would need could potentially be a lot of money and i, I can imagine having the conversation i mean that that client of mine is in the cloud already right all their stuff is hosted they don't have anything in there you know, in in their office. But I could imagine that if we ever had a large outage and the solution that I put in front of them wasn't robust enough, then they would be going, well, I'm just going to buy a server and stick it in the corner of the office because yes, it could go down, but um, I would be, we would be in control of it, right? You know, we could all pile into the office on a Sunday and get it fixed, you know, not that I would ever want to do that, obviously. Um and I'm quite fortunate with that client is they understand that we things need to be robust. Need, you know, there needs to be a disaster recovery plan. You know, what's the continuity business continuity plan if those, those things go down and they've made provision to make sure that that can happen. But that does come at a cost, you know, um, it, it basically doubles your cloud spend. So, you know, when you look at an advert and they say, yes, you can get instances from $30 a month, that is not production ready, you know um so you know and i think it it can be a bit misleading when you see a provider saying you know we start from i think microsoft's messaging is pretty good and this might be a little bit of a rant of other providers but it's like starts from five dollars a month and it's like that is not the reason to go to the cloud you know that it costs five dollars a month for a virtual machine and just to to say about because you talked about resilience and things like that that um talking from a Microsoft perspective, you know, that they have the availability sets. So every region kind of has like a paired region. So for the, for the UK, you've got UK South and UK West. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for Europe, you've got the, the North Europe and West Europe. Um, so if you've put stuff in West Europe and you've got an availability set and for some reason, West, you know, West Europe goes down, it will be pushed over to North Europe just to continue to run yeah. so there may be still an outage of the server going down but you know the the config gets moved over i mean if you talk about i mean you, you you're going to be talking about later about some of the updates but you know the replication at the data centers you know microsoft has it in one data centers on three sets of different disks across the data yes. center yeah. for the you know for the data and then if you have regional replication then it's on three sets in another data center yeah yeah so. exactly yeah and you can you know i suppose one thing is you know if we talk about natural disaster there is no real way to get around that if you have a single office location and you have all your it on premise right you know if there's a if there's a fire or if there's some sort of um power or you know net internet outage at that location you know that can wreak absolute havoc can't it so and you can't get around that with just having one location so i suppose that's another massive benefit of the cloud is it can be replicated into multiple data centers um to get that level of uh resilience so yes yes especially especially if you're only in 
you know, your location is only in one country, for example, even if you're, you know, multi-site, yep. you know, I know that there's some business continuity plans that you can have that, you know, or disaster recovery that, you know, you've got to have your next day disaster, disaster recovery X miles away in case of an event. But, yeah. you know, trying to be, you know, trying to make it into another country is, you know, without paying the earth for another site, another internet connection, blah, you know, everything else. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's just uh, focus just for a few minutes It'll probably be more than a few minutes knowing us, but let's go for a few minutes to start off with um, about, you know, I, I suppose my big question coming into this this conversation is, Al, do you actually think the cloud is cheaper? That's a very loaded question. I think, yeah, I think, I think on the face of it, when you compare it to on-premise, it doesn't seem like it's cheaper. Yeah. Um, but actually, when you start diving into what resource and what everything's costing you to run the data center or, you know, the on-premise infrastructure and stuff. Um, it kind of is either equivalent or, you know, it's partially cheaper. Um, I think a lot of people, or I say a lot of people, I, I see a lot of people say, you know, on-premise is cheaper. I don't pay for a server when I want to spin it up. You know, you kind of think, well, you had to pay, you know, for that infrastructure, first at some point yeah you know okay you 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 bought it and it's going to last three years but that was a cost and that was a you know a upfront cost you know let alone you know the cost of aircon you know all the stuff we said you know the yeah. fire um suppression system all the power it's using you know the people to manage it you know you know it's not just you know it, depending on the the size of the company you know the one i worked for you know had sort of three people looking after the data center plus like two or three you know networking teams yeah to look after the data center network you know yeah and i um, think that i think that cloud i think because cloud pricing is so simplistic right because it's you could say and and that i think that's a you know that's that is a valid argument to say when i want to bring another application online i have to bring up another server or instance or or whatever it is you're bringing up right and your cost you know, you just bear you bear that cost, right? Whereas before you could say, oh, well, we've over-provisioned this server and now we can, so it's, you know, I've got this, you know, spare bit of uh, this server over here that we over-provisioned and now we can put this application on there because we've got enough space on there, right? You know, because we, you know, we, we had the foresight to think that, you know, we were going to have new applications coming online. But I think, I, but I think the hidden, the point I'm trying to make is, is that you can attack and say, well, that application is going to cost me £500 a month, let's say, in Azure, right? Which would be a lot of money to spend on, you know, with redundancy, you know, all of the processing power it needs, storage costs and backup and all of those things, right? But what the, it, it's not comparing the cost of a server, it's also comparing the cost of somebody's time to maintain that server and all of the hidden costs of having a server in a rack, like we've said, fire suppression, that needs to be serviced every six or 12 months or whatever, you know, and tested air conditioning, you know, all of these things have capital expenditure costs, like air conditionings for a data center is not cheap. You know, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to cool a huge amount of, you know, energy that's being pumped into that room. You know, there's the floor space, you know, the floor space. I don't know if anybody's listening has ever rented an office and, you know, looked at how much it costs per square foot. Once you add business rates, rent, heat, 
you know, and, you know, we live in a northern, you know, the northern hemisphere, so, you know, and quite, well, not quite far up. It's not that cold in the UK, but we don't have the best weather, do we? You know, and our, you know, the heating costs in the winter, you know, and making sure, and it, and, and in the summer, it's it's double as, double as bad because we're trying to reduce the heat in those rooms, you know, so... So I think it's really easy for somebody in IT to look at the cost of the server over its lifetime, but forget about all of those other infrastructure costs. Like you were just saying, you had, let's say, three data center people plus two network people. You know, if you think about, you know, senior IT engineers, senior IT professionals, you know, you're, you're talking, you know, for a team of five, you could be talking four. 500 600 700,000 pounds a year you know when you take into account their pension holiday and all of yeah. those things right you know and um kind of the thing i was saying about you know if if you if you compared it for like um virtualization so hosting vms on a on a on a on a pool of servers things like that yeah. you know you you build that um i guess that resource that you, so you can have x amount of machines on it but when you first buy it, what you have ten on it, assuming that you're gonna have a hundred, and yeah. you're just you're not it's kind of wasting that compute. You are, yeah. Yeah, you're front loading your cost and you're you're predicting what your um your usage could be. Imagine if you provision it, you say I've got ten applications at the moment, but I'm going to spec my server so that I could run a hundred. And imagine if you never change from ten. Well, what, and how much money around. you would waste, right? It's the other way around as well. Say you spec it for a hundred and you had a hundred, and then you decide to you, you know you don't need these applications. You start yeah. cutting it down. Yeah. Then exactly. per server cost that month that year becomes increased. Yeah. Exactly. And I guess that's one of the the benefits of the cloud is that you can spin up, spin down, and you only pay for what you use. Yeah, and we see a lot of cost-saving measures in the cloud, right? If you've got applications that are only used in um, in nine to five office hours. You can shut them down and save yourself some cost. You know, if you really want to set that up so that they get shut down and they get archived until they're brought back up on, you know, on a Friday and then brought back on a Monday. There's loads of ways to 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 reduce your cost, right? You know, and that's that's just forgetting the fact that you can now, you know, have these platforms as a service. You know, you could you know move some of your automation to, you know, uh, logic apps or function apps, which are like cost pennies to execute. You know, so which is even cheaper for the for, for the enterprise so so i suppose my next question to you Al, is is do you have to be all or the other you know is there you know is there a way to be hybrid you know can you have on-premise and the cloud i think you're i think what's happening is everyone well majority of, of customers or organizations out there are hybrid because You've got, you know, people have, like you said, I think before, you know, people have bought infrastructure that's, you know, using it till its, you know, end of life or deemed, um, you know, sweating the assets as, as per se. Yeah. Um, and again, you might have that situation where you might have to have some, you know, that small amount of on-prem, um, but still have the cloud. And, you know, there is, I mean, for for Microsoft, you know, you've got Express Routes, you've got the VPNs that you can connect so that it's it's as if it is like another site you know, another data center that's connected to you, you know, from a user perspective that it on premise is as if it's, it's next to them, you know, they're yeah. not going to know any different apart from maybe a, 
a small amount of latency as it goes over the internet pipe, etc. So how would you determine that at an organization? Is it a case of going in and consulting and working out what can be moved, what makes sense to be moved to the cloud and what should stay on-prem? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, from a hybrid perspective, it is, you know, what can you do that's different to, you know, if you've got an application that is, you know, just, you know, web application with a SQL database, can you move it to, to, Platform, you know, PaaS platform as a service to reduce that cost. So you, only you have to manage the code and and the you know, the actual website and things like that. You don't have to worry about the patching and everything. You know, reduce yeah. costs that way. Um, like you said, is there services that you don't need to run twenty four seven? A lot of it is probably you know starting off with I've got a new service. Do I put it in my you know do I put it on premise or do I put it into the cloud and start that? You know, slow migration anything new i you know i look at paz saas a software as a service and um iaz kind of thing where it makes sense so there is there is definitely a bit of um i guess understanding yeah. you know uh, um I, i'm thinking of the word now it's like you know analysis a set of the applications and what you've got there yeah, I suppose, yeah, because that, that's really where the, you're going to get your best, not just bang for buck, but also, you know, the best resilience and best, you know, IT infrastructure, right, is where you can, as an organization, work out what the best tool for the job is for any given scenario, you know, so you might say that it makes sense to get exchange, you know, out, you know, out off to the cloud, right, because you know, hosted exchange in Azure makes an absolutely ton of sense, doesn't it? You know, right, just um, from the storage perspective, <laughs> right? You know, so in that scenario, you might say, okay, well, what we're going to do, you know, is we're going to connect our Active Directory up to Azure AD, and we're going to migrate Exchange, you know, and then once we're in Office 365, then we can do things like Teams, and we get that sort of connectivity. But and and exactly like what you're saying is once our you know, um, our infrastructure becomes end of life or our, you know, our internal, you know, application servers that may be managed by third parties, right? You might have bought a black box solution from somebody. Once those come to end of life, then we'll look at um, on-prem versus cloud, you know, replacements for those services. But that could take five, six, seven, eight years, you know, for those those, um, appliances to become up for renewal yeah absolutely and it's like i said i think it's a a, i think it's it is like a a journey to the cloud still i don't think it is one or the other i think you know if you're a new business starting up i kind of think it's worth just jumping to the cloud because you ain't got to worry about buying the 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 space for the rack or the all the everything else you don't have any of that capital expenditure do you you have the you know, you can try a load of different services with no real commitment. And then when you're ready to commit and you want a bigger discount, you can then jump into reserve instances, right? And reserve pricing to, to reduce your costs. So, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think, you know, as uh, this 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 conversation wasn't really phased, because obviously the title of this podcast means we've got absolutely massive bias, right? Because we work in the cloud every day. Um, but I think... it you know the reason why we put this in as a topic is i think we just wanted to make it abundantly clear that the cloud isn't everything right it it solves a lot 
of problems, you know, for us IT professionals. But there is also absolutely legitimate use cases for still having on-premise. And if you are an IT professional that has a lot of your infrastructure on-premise, that doesn't automatically mean that you're doing the wrong thing, right? Just because there's newer technology out there. It's a journey, like you say, to the cloud, not just a, oh yeah, let's just drop all this and move to the cloud, right? Yeah. And yeah. just to just to quickly say, the other thing that's quite of a benefit to the cloud is that you can easily track a service or, you know, say you've got a um, HR system that's up there that's, you know, IaaS or um, PaaS. Um, you can almost... Um, You've got the 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 monthly cost of how, what's that's you know what that's costing you quite easily that you can then recharge internally if that's you know what needs to happen to yeah. budgets and things like that. Where with your you've already bought the server and everything, it's quite hard to engage how much the server actually costs. Yeah, and how you internally do... recharge that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and I think that's it because because the pricing of the cloud is so transparent. Right, like I said before, the calculation is really simple, isn't it? Is that this this you can even say you can say what is the total spend for this web app, right? And that could be as your example is as your HR app, and it's like, well, who's going to pay for that? That should probably come out of the HR budget, shouldn't it? You know, that shouldn't be, you know, and that whole how much did each department spend on IT is very easy to break down in the cloud, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I think that pretty much wraps up. Is there any other bits that you wanted to add about that? Al? Any opinions you wanted to to, to to voice or anything? No, I think I've covered, I think, uh, earlier. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, let's jump on some news so that we're not um, keeping all these people um, on this podcast for too long. Um, so I've got three bits of news um, that I'm going to take us through. Um, so Azure Redis, Alan, have you ever used it? Do you know what it is? Uh, nope. I've so Redis is an in-memory data store. So if you imagine you have a database, yeah, and the idea of the database is you put data into it, it stores it on disk for you, and when you want it again, it you it can retrieve it back, and it's durable, right? So if you shut down a database server or if it goes offline, and when you fire it back up, touch wood, hopefully, all your data should be there. Well, um, Redis keeps all of your data in memory right and it's not it can be persistent in redis but it can also be just volatile in memory and what that means is because it's in memory it doesn't have to touch any hard disks it's just inside the ram of the of the server which means it's lightning fast and developers use it for like caching data so it's like you know i'm frequently accessing this bit of data from the database instead of going back to the database every time because it's quite expensive you know computationally to go to a data store um, i'm going to put it in you know redis um, cache and i can go there and it'll be a lot faster and the load on my database server will be a lot lower anyway so um azure have a product for redis called azure cache um, and now they have a plugin for visual studio code which allows you to view the data inside the Azure Redis cache um, directly from Visual Studio Code. So that can be really good for debugging um, where you would, you know, uh, so you get a lot more visibility. It's inside of Microsoft's native tooling. So yeah, really good. Um, it's currently in preview um, and you can connect up to any of your um, Azure Redis um, instances that you've got in Azure. 
that you've got access to. So that sounds good. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, so we were talking earlier about replication. Uh, blob storage. Um, I know you've used blob storage in the past, Al, but blob storage for anybody that um, doesn't know is where you can give Microsoft an object. That could be, let's say that's a picture of your favorite puppy or cat, if that's the sort of person you are. Um, then you can put give that to Microsoft and they will store it for you. Now, as your blob storage is already very, very durable, as Al mentioned, even in its, and I'm using air quotes, you can't see that because we're on a podcast, in its least durable form, I think it's stored in three separate locations inside of one data center. Is that correct? I can't yep. remember what the SLA is, but... Um, I think it's triple replication. And what you can do is you can set your level of redundancy um, on your blob storage account. So you can say, actually, what I want is I want, um, you know, I want my blob stored in multiple locations in the same region, you know. So, but now they've got um, blob storage object replication, which allows you to replicate objects to any region around the world. So you could say, you could uh, even locally as well, but you could say, I want a copy of these blobs in, you know, uh, in Australia or Singapore or, you know, or, or wherever, as well as them being. So I'm going to add them in London, for instance, like UK South. I'm going to add them into UK South, but I want them replicated to a completely separate region. Um, that has been in preview. Um, we've had that for a while and now it's generally available. So uh, that's a really good. Because uh, some applications would do that manually, like developers would say, "Okay, I'm going to run a job to my, you know, to replicate these every night at midnight." Let's say, uh, but now they don't need to do that. It can be done automatically. So, yeah, it's um, it's 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 really good. Um, and my last bit of news is automatic VM patching is in preview now. So. This is one. For, this is a question for you, Alan. Did we not already have automatic VM guest patching before? I assume we didn't, because this is now in preview. I think it was. I think it you was could part manage of Windows, right? Yeah, so you could. Yeah, you could do it within the, within the operating system, and uh, you could detect. You could see where um, virtual machines were on their patching level. Okay, so this um, this automatic VM guest patching is where Azure itself actually manages the patching of those devices. So I, I don't know how this is. I suppose this is a question for, for you and everyone. I don't know how that differs from... I suppose, I suppose this means that you can set your patching configuration in Azure instead of it having to do that configuration on the machine itself. Yeah, and just, just I mean, Sam's got it up on a screen. Um, but just looking at it, it means that you can, if you've got availability sets and things like that, you can um, specify that, you know, not two machines you know, in a pool can be patched at the same time. Got it, so that's okay. Probably the, that's probably some of the benefit there, that it will yeah. not take down your service. Because I suppose if you if you leave patching up to those individual servers, they have no you know, a knowledge of the other servers that are potentially in that pool, right? So they could all patch, you know, if they're on patch Tuesday and they're all set to <laughs> patch at 3 a.m., right? And, the, you know, um, and there was an issue with that patch, potentially your whole 
um, your whole availability set could go down. I mean, that's pretty unlikely, but it's probably it's probably happened before, right? You know, so um, yeah, so yeah, it's probably taking some of the features of um, System Center configuration manager patch management where you can you can do um, like groups of machines and things like that. I mean, System Center's now changed to Endpoint Manager configuration manager, but yeah, I think it's probably bringing some of that to the cloud. Yeah. Yeah, no, IaaS isn't really my my thing. I I I try to stay clear of it um, as much as I can. But I thought it was um, it, it was it seems like a great addition. I didn't realize I didn't. I suppose I didn't have the context there of availability sets. That makes a lot of sense to me, um, especially in that scenario. So, yeah, that, that's awesome. Did you have any um, news items you wanted to go through? Uh, no, I've not got anything this week. Okay. That's cool. Um, so yeah, so thanks everybody for listening. Um, I hope you've gained some sort of insight in uh, between the difference of on-premise and in the cloud and why you might use one or the other or a hybrid approach inside of your organization. Um, so yeah, so that, that's great. Um, I don't know what. Let's find out, shall we? Shall we give a sneak preview of what is next? I was just trying to find that. <laughs> Where are you? Let me open the... Um, so, uh, so me and Al sat down, um, after the last podcast and worked on all of the next episodes right up until technically March next year. Um, hopefully we make it that far. Um, so the next one should be on Ignite. Is that correct? Have I got my timings right for that? Yeah, I think it's going to be just on it, isn't it? I think it's something like the day after or something. I think we're going to record. I think we're literally on it. I think it's oh, the yeah. first day, so we might have to maybe delay just slightly. Yeah, delay okay. to the Tuesday after. Yeah, okay. So, but yeah, a little bit of a delay. One, yeah, next one is going to be all about Ignite. Um, any new announcements from Microsoft? Obviously, if you want to have access to that, it's um, it's free to attend, isn't it? Al, because it's a virtual event. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, all so free, and I think it's all open now as well for registration. Oh, is it? Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll have to get... I don't think I've actually registered for it yet, but I will definitely get registered for that. Um, and then we're going to talk about ARM templates. I'm not going to tell you all the ones we're going to go through, but we're going to have a um, sort of conversation about ARM templates um, because they can seem quite overwhelming, um, but I believe they are very powerful um, in Azure, right? Yeah, so, definitely. So um, I think it's it's definitely worth people understanding what they are um, and, and what they're used for. Yep, definitely. Cool. All right. Well, thanks very much for your time, Alan. Um, and thanks, everybody, to th that was listening. Yep. Thanks for listening. See ya. Cheers. Bye-bye.